Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, all right, all right. We are back with another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We just witnessed the crushing last-minute goal by Sam Reinhart. But get in the chat, like, and subscribe. Here we go for a little bar time talk on your L.A. King. Joe, uh, tough what we witnessed there. We thought we were going to get a little OT, uh, and we got a little OT. Then we thought we were going to get a little shootout, and we did not get a shootout. Uh, we will last time backhanded wrister rooftop shot here by Reinhardt. What a toughing, what a tough loss. What a tough loss there. It's been a lot of tough losses. Kings don't seem as confident to me. I'd rather see them. I'm, I'm seeing them play the Stars on Tuesday. I'd rather see them the way they were playing, you know, in October. It's been rough. It's been rough. We're one of three teams with no wins in 2024. Uh, Joe, how are you doing? (laughs) Oh, oh, that's frustrating. Well, this has been rough because they're not just losing now. They're losing, like, by blowing leads left and right. Um, another blown lead, third period lead today. And it was only one goal lead instead of two, but um, they were killed in the third period. I mean, Florida brought it, which you know you're going to expect. They're at home. They're gonna. There's going to be a push, um, and they 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 took it to the Kings big time. The third period they had seven one scoring chances, sixty eight percent possession, seventy two percent expected goals. The Kings were nowhere in the game. In the third period, Talbot. If it wasn't for Talbot, that game would have been over in the third period. Florida would have won. Um, this is this is bad. This is a bad stretch. Um, and and I've said in the past that you know it's it's if you're going to lose, grab a point while you're doing it. it. Doesn't feel quite as good when it's the seventh in a row. Um, and and it's you know it's it's the offense. They're not. 
they're not finishing quite as much. They're not being able to score quite as much uh, as they were earlier in the season. Uh, that seems to be the biggest issue, although defensively they're not playing as well. Talbot kind of bailing them out today. Um, they're simply put, they're not playing that well, uh, especially this week. So right? let's let's start there. Let's start there because normally the Kings, the one three one people, it's a suffocating defense. It's been <laughs> it's been documented by Nathan McKinnon and as well as other superstars that it's a suffocating style defense. Yet we've been blowing constant lead after constant lead. Carter scores coming here, seven straight losses. Six of them have been with blown leads. Mm-hmm. Don't want to hear the at least I got a point. Kings fans are frustrated. We need to be closing out these games. Where is this defense been? Do you think they're buying into the one three one? And I want to ask this question of you: Is a is it a tough defense to play year long? Like, is it a is it a mental defense where you have to be bought in? For 82 games. Well, there's two things with that. So the one through one is, you know, the neutral zone setup, right? So to, to, what it is is it, it tries to limit the opponents coming through and skating through the neutral zone and gaining the zone with possession. That's the first thing. The defensive zone, you know, they play a lot of, of man on man. And that, you know, can be can be difficult. Um, you need communication. You need constant communication. Um, because if somebody blows an assignment or misses an assignment or there's a there's a cross up uh, somewhere, then that can lead to somebody that's wide open for the other team. That you know we've seen that happen a few times. Um, that's part of it. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the defense group mainly because well, their top prospects a defenseman he was called up, but what isn't being talked about nearly enough are the struggles of. Mikey Anderson and Drew Doughty. This pair has not been a top pair. If we're being honest with each other, this has not been a good pair, particularly the last 10, 15, 20 games or so. Um, All right, right, Joe, let's let's take out the knife and fork. Let's take out the knife and fork on that one. Let's let's dig into the steak. Uh, Before Joe goes at that, please put in all your questions in the chat. We're doing a fan-based episode tonight, so throw your questions in there. It's just going to be Joe and I talking a little uh, bar-style Kings hockey chat. So not been good enough no. for Dowdy and Mikey Anderson. Where are you coming with that? Where Where's your Where's your well, process there? Yeah, so first of all, just look at tonight. They were out attempted 23-17. Uh, that's 42.5%. 22% expected goal share, Dowdy and Anderson. And you go back to the Washington game. Just Mikey Anderson in front of the net, missing assignments. Today, the second goal uh, – nope, sorry. The first goal was scored on that pairing. The the coverage is just lax. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I know, uh, you know why they're struggling, but it hasn't been nearly good enough. And that's a big problem because that pair is leaned on, obviously, to play some big minutes uh, and to play – against some significant opponents um and that's not good and so like i said if i look here in the last so what they're on the seven well we'll, we'll go back a little bit more than the, than the seven games uh than the seven game skid but in the last 10 games 47 percent expect uh, uh shot attempts 33 percent high danger 38 percent expected goal share they are getting it, it's been really bad 
um, in terms of, and it's as much on the defensive side of things, like their, their, their expected goals against per 60 um, is really poor right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's the worst on the team um, through that, through that time frame, the last 10 games, and they're not doing enough offensively uh, to make up for it. So, so Holden's coming in here, right here. Dowdy shouldn't be leading the league with ice time in 34 at 34. So is this an ice time issue? Is this too much utilization for Dowdy? Yeah. Is it a, is it about stretch? Is it uh, last year? They, they were no kinks in the armor. Now they're coming back to human level. Where, where is this for you as a, as a coach of a, a of a high school hockey team and you watch the game from a coach's lens, where is this coming in at for you? So I don't know because I'm not there like from a fitness standpoint. I mean, I, I, I imagine that there's, there's, um, you know, they're tracking his fitness levels and stuff. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming fitness wise, he's okay, but you can't tell me that he, as Holden points out, and I wholeheartedly agree at his age needs to be leading the NHL in ice time. It, 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 it is totally unnecessary. I respect the shit out of it. I, and I love Drew Doughty for it, you, but it, it, he does not need to lead the team in ice. And, you know, not for nothing, what's been talked about is how good the defense group is for the Kings, particularly the top fair, you know, top, top four with Gavrikov and Roy. Well, if your top two pairs are that good, you shouldn't need one of those guys playing that many minutes. You should be able to share some of that and that's not happening and i i think it's a problem i i don't i'm not saying that is the reason for the struggles because i think that's probably a little unfair and and putting too much blame onto drew dowdy um but i won't say it's not a factor because you know it it, it makes sense well, that it could I, I would say it is it could be could be i, I don't know i mean i know could. i know it's a pc answer for you there joe but you you and i have been talking about in, in my favorite player, Brant Clark, they're not giving they're not giving the youngsters the reins to take over, right? So Jordan Spence is getting weaned in and out. Brant Clark got brought up, even though he's the AHL All Star and the number one defenseman in the AHL. He's not playing a lot of minutes, so are they not allowing these youngsters to take over the reins? And that's why Dowdy is playing so much. Is it a lack of confidence in the other right shot defenseman? Uh, for the LA Kings from Tom McClellan, or is it Dowdy being Dowdy? I mean, he seems like a guy that doesn't want to give a hold, of, give away the reins either. So, like, is it a combination? Like, where do you feel the locker room vibe is, the coaching vibe is for the the right shot D on this team? Uh, my guess is the biggest thing is McClellan just leans on him, right? Dowdy's a horse, and and he'll play if he could play sixty minutes, he'll probably play sixty minutes again. I respect the hell out of it. Um, so uh, my guess is is that's it. But what's a little surprising is that Matt Roy is more than capable. Um, I think he can probably take a couple of those minutes. Jordan Spence has been – you could probably make a case that individually he's been the second-best Kings defenseman on this team. This he's been season. the best Kings defenseman on this team. I mean, you, there's probably a case to be made for it. So I think that you can probably – give him a couple more minutes. And I'm not saying you got to take Dowdy from like whatever he's averaging 28 minutes a night and knock him down to 22, but you could probably bring him down to 25. 
and share some of those minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see why you couldn't find ways to do that. Um, but I, I'm assuming it comes down to a big trust. And, you know, again, it, we're, we're going, we're all talking Todd McClellan because he's the head coach. He's the one, it's his name on the door, but you know, McClellan has said too, you know, Trent Yanni is, he's got full reins to run the defense group, how he sees fit, you know? So he probably is somebody that, and a lot of times look at it too, like the Kings are in these close games. And a lot of times as a coach, you're like, well, if I'm going down, I'm going down with my best guy. Like Drew Doughty's going to be on the ice. If he gives up the goal, so be it. But it isn't going to be Jordan Spence, for example, or it isn't going to be, which I don't understand why it couldn't be Matt Roy. Like he's a more than capable defenseman. So I, I don't, that I don't get why you could probably lean into him a little bit more. So uh, I, I think it comes down to probably trust and just the fact that Doughty, that he's a horse. And so that they're just going to continue to do that. And again, I don't want to overstate it that 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 is the reason for their struggles i, I would be surprised if it wasn't a factor but um that you well, can't have the top pair playing like they're playing right now well we're or, we're talking about it, so let's talk about it i mean we're, let's get let's get in deeper there joe because we we thought that the pl signing or trade was good for the longevity of the center core for for the kings mm-hmm. and we are hoping that they would uh, get immediate returns with the bookends and the spine of, of the team being excellent. Right now, PL is not playing good enough. So that's a different discussion. But right now, you're looking at the best part of the Kings prospects is the right-hand D, right-shot D. It has been for the last two, three years. They trade away Brock Faber for... Uh, for Fiala, it's worked out. Now they have Spence, and they also have Brent Clark. Where is the the lack of confidence from the coaching staff? Because for me, it's like you you look at Brent Clark, AHL All Star. You look at Jordan Spence, AHL First Team All Pro, or whatever they call it. So. I know they have Matt Roy they trust. I know they have Drew Daddy they trust. But Drew Daddy doesn't need to be playing 20 something minutes a night. So where is where where is the 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 time that they trust those people? I know OT, you're like, okay, yeah, I understand them starting the OT with Dowdy because you trust him. But why isn't Jordan Spence out there? Why isn't Quentin Byfield out there? Where are these these young guys that are now producing? Like Last year, I would I, I wanted QB out there, but he wasn't producing. Now he's producing, and he's still not out there. So, like I, I for me, it's like I get I get this is just a long rant, and 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 I need to tie it up. So let me tie it up with a bow for you, Joe. Okay. Where is where is Todd McClellan in his appreciate not appreciation his confidence in his young talent to rely on them in the key moments? Well, first of all, Jordan Spence did play in overtime. He's he will see shifts in overtime. Spence will, um, so that's encouraging. Um, by would, would would Clark? I think he would. Well, it depends. I think I think if. If he were your laugh says no. Well, I I laugh because uh 
if you were to ask the question if like if if Clark and Spence were in the lineup together, he may I don't know if he would. He may not, but I think Spence would. If it's if he's in for Spence, then yes, he I think he would get a look in overtime. The byfield thing is interesting because he's obviously deserving of playing in overtime, but figure in overtime, you're gonna roll three sets of forward groupings. They've got yeah. Kopitar and Kempe. You're not changing that, right? You've got Dano and Fiala. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe Byfield out there for Dano. I can make a case for that, a little bit more of an offensive push, perhaps, than than Dano. I know Dano is obviously a great defensive center, and he's not is he if is if he's bad uh, offensively, but I think you can at least make a case. And then there's Dubois and Moore as your third set. I know I'm probably sure a lot of people would rather see Byfield in instead of Dubois. If you believe that, that's perfectly fine. Um, but when you but look at it, so yeah. I mean, when you look at it that way, with those six forwards, those are six legitimate forwards that you can play. I would agree. I think you got to find a way to get Byfield mixed in there somewhere. There, I think that's a fair shout. Um, but it's not as if they're they're rolling out a lack of quality. They do have good players that they're still putting on the ice in overtime. Um, so, if you're not putting if you're not putting uh, Byfield on the ice in overtime, why are you putting England on the ice in overtime? So that was in a penalty kill situation. Now, I'm a I was a little surprised because I believe and now I'm gonna I, I think it was was it Dowdy and Anderson were they on the first kill, and then it was Roy and England. So I don't know why Gavrikov was not out there on that penalty kill. Now I'm not blaming England for the goal. Uh, I am. Well, I thought he was a little, I thought he pushed it a little too high toward Barkov, but either way, I don't know if it would have mattered to be honest. I, I, it was, it's a four on three. You're in it. You're in tough. You're in one in a four on three. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not blaming him for it, but um that's the only reason he's on the ice is because it was a penalty kill situation. For better or for worse. So I, I, I let's let's go into the Kings here in, in the future. Obviously, we thought we thought we we were a Stanley Cup team in uh, November, October, December, uh, or the beginning part of December. Now, obviously, losing this many games, it seems that we can't close out hockey. Now, yeah. now we were closing out every game before. We were coming from behind. We were doing whatever we can, and now we can't close out anything. So is this just the regression to the mean, and we're still a good hockey team? Is this a chink in the armor? Like, How do you view this team going forward? Um, that's a, you know, that's a really good question because you're right. A, a while ago or the first handful of you know, 10, 20 games, it was how deep the team is and how good the team is and – this team's for real and, and all that. And, you know, I think a lot of people were giving Vancouver crap because of their PDO. And I think I had mentioned on one of the podcasts, like Kings are top five in PDO. So let's not get it twisted that they're also somebody that, you know, things are going well. Uh, I think if there were something that people would have predicted would have fallen off, it may have been the goaltending, but I don't think that's been the case. I think Talbot's been fine. Riddich in the games he's played has been fine. Um, it's quite clearly the pucks aren't going in at nearly the rate that they were at the start of the season. You know, I think they're shooting around 5% the last during this losing streak. Um, 
that what are you going to do there if, if the pucks don't go in then then you got then you're not going to win games now there could be a variety of reasons for why those pucks aren't going in but to put it simply at least in the short term here they're not going in right now i don't think they're going to shoot four or five percent the rest of the season that will come back so more pucks will go in the hope there is that when the pucks start going in they just don't start going in in your net so then you're playing you know seven six games and 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 it's becoming in kind of a crazy crazy games in that sense but um I, listen this, this they're going to be they're going to settle in here i mean i don't think they're a team that's that is so bad that they should be losing seven games in a row um but on the flip side you know there probably weren't a team that should be winning going 11 and 0 on the road right to start a season either some of these things are fluky um and i i talked about this where Edmonton had their bad stretch at the start of the season. The Kings are going through a stretch now. Teams go through this. A lot of teams go through this. Good teams go through this. Championship teams go through this in the course of a season. So I said it the other day on uh, uh, the spaces that Russell hosted, it's how they come out of it. And if they can settle the ship eventually – as long as if you fall into another run where you go another and say, you, you know, say you play the next six games, they go four and two, right. They kind of settle in a little bit here. If after that you go on another, like one in six, one in seven type stretch to me, it's, if you do that again in the next, in the near future, that's, that's when you got a bit of a problem. Um, I think so. I'm not worried right now. And if, if you're, so you're not, so do you think the Kings finish in the top three in the division? Well, <laughs> that's becoming a question. I think they, I still think they can. Uh, I still think that they probably will. Um, Joe, Joe, I don't want to, I don't want any politician type answers, man. Are, are, do you think I'll they write the ship and finish in the division? I, I, I'll say yes. And I say okay. they finish in either second or third in the division. I'll yeah. say that. But it's, yeah, it's getting tight. Edmonton's, Edmonton, so for where we stand today, Edmonton's just three points back of the Kings. Yeah. Uh, Holden coming in here saying, honestly, I think the Bois trade made this team worse. They have no cap space to make any trades. They have gave away Velarde, who's actually good on both sides of the ice and has scored clutch goals. I mean, this seems like to be the one-on-one type comparison, right? It's Velarde for Dubois in that trade. You know, uh, Gupari and, and I follow were cannon fodder to make the cap work. Uh, but everybody's looking at Velarde in Dubois, and Velarde's having a great season. And he had a great season last year outside of the injuries. So do you think that – do you think this was a bad trade now based on what you've seen in hindsight? No. I, I'm So just to be clear, I'm not changing my mind on this trade at the midway point of the first year. Sorry. So anybody that's looking for that, it ain't happening. I loved the trade at the time. The Kings had the depth to move off of Ayafalo and Kupari pretty easily. It's quite clear that if Velarde was a center and a legitimate NHL center, he would have been on this roster. They didn't have an NHL center, and they've got they went out and got P.L. Dubois. Dubois has been not great to start this season. I think that's that's fine. Uh, you can say that. I think there's I, I don't, I, but I am not worried about the long term. I think he's going to be fine. We've seen stretches last year with with Winnipeg. There was a stretch for a lot of the season, and in that first round playoffs, he was a one C. He was a horse. 
I think we're we're still we haven't seen that consistently enough. Uh, obviously, we hope it comes, but I am so, not. So during that session, he was playing with Kyle Connor, forty goal scorer. Like he was playing uh, yeah. with, 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 Shifley, with high yeah. with high end guys. So now that he has to carry a line on the third line, and he's not carrying that line, like where? To me, and you guys, you guys both laughed me off the podcast with with my initial judgment and granted it was, it was an emotional judgment of him not even being a second line center. And why I said that is because I don't see him carrying a line. I don't see him constantly driving play outside of the rare things. And anybody can do something on a part-time basis, but where is his constant drive of play? And, you could talk to all the the podcast guys. We could talk to you and Russ, and and I was convinced after a week of talking to you guys that he would be good for the team. By my initial judgment of him, based off of my limited tape that I did watch, articles and all this kind of stuff, that he wasn't a guy that could drive play. And so far, I've been right in my initial assessment, and I was convinced otherwise. So where where is your assessment? of PLD going to rear its head in this season? Well, <laughs> hopefully it's sooner than later. Uh, and hopefully when things get kind of tighter, as you say, and more, or as people say, and more physical come playoff time where it more suits kind of his game. Um, I, you look at what the idea was um, to have such a good center or strong center core. And I think a lot of people were trying to find ways to, to bring, you know, we talked about it with Dowdy and to bring Kopitar's ice time down. Kopitar's having having an extremely productive season this year. He is playing the lowest amount of five on five ice time in his career. Fantastic. And yet he's been an extremely productive player. And I don't think they could do that. They could have done that without Dubois. Now that's, uh, listen, I, I not like giving Dubois quite credit for that per se, if you will, like he's Dubois has to play better. He has to produce. I think part of this is a little bit of puck luck. I don't like his game away from the puck. I think he can do a better job stopping on pucks and stopping on his checks. I think I see too many flybys from time from him. He's at his best when he's got the puck through the through the neutral zone. He drives to the middle, and he's able to make plays and set up. Like there's there's a player there. Is he a dominant two way centerman like an Andre Kopitar? No, he's not. Um, he's not. But I also you, you thought he was going to play better defensive hockey. I did say that I thought he was going to be better defensively than than was made out to be, and I. To this point, that has not been the case. I I have not been accurate on that assessment. Um, to, to through thirty eight games, um, so yeah. Listen, and 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 I don't want to I don't want to jump on this trade being uh, within thirty eight games, but the thirty games matter because the Kings are sure. trying to win a Stanley Cup this sure. year. Yeah, his no, eight his, his eight his eight season contract will be determined after his eight seasons. Right. Or maybe sooner than that. But right now, the 38 games matter and it's not good enough. It's just not. And I think a lot of people look at the way Velarde's playing and with his team. But yeah, I mean, Winnipeg's playing great hockey. 
let's not take anything from Winnipeg. They're playing great hockey. But Velarde's playing with top-notch people. If Dubois was playing with – I let's actually let me throw this to you because this was great but i saw this some some fan on on twitter or x put dubois on the left wing and put byfield on 3c i don't want to do that um because you don't think that would spark anything from dubois i would rather i would rather i would rather if if, if you're going to do something like that i'd rather just put byfield on dubois wing oh, byfield hasn't played center in quite a while here. So I think he's really settling in as, as Anthony was. I mean, I get the shout. I get, I get the, the idea, but I don't know if there's a reason for the Kings to mess with Byfield right in the midst of his breakout season, right? He's doing everything that is being asked. He's coming along perfectly fine. And I'm not going to say he can't be a center in the future. Maybe he will be. But right now he's a winger and he's playing damn good as a winger. I don't want to mess with that. Now you want to tell me that you want to slide him down with with Byfield and maybe play a or excuse me with with Dubois play a Byfield Dubois Laferriere type of line. Yeah, I'm in. But you know I don't know that there's an appetite for the Kings to, to move Byfield from Kopitar, and I'm not suggesting that they should. But I I'm not at the point where I'm ready to move Byfield to 3C and move Dubois to the wing. I think if that happens, that is a type of move that better work and better work quickly because I think that's a move that's – desperation may be a little strong, maybe a little heavy word, but if that, that doesn't work, if that doesn't work, then McClellan could be in some trouble. Troy Miller coming here, Dubois – is a prime example of a talented player with a low motor. He's just lazy. Do you feel like he's his his biggest knock was that one clip in in, in yep. Winnipeg, right, or yep. Columbus? Columbus. Um, yeah. And do you think he's been lazy so far? I think I I personally think he has in some games, but overall, I don't think so. I think he's been very tuned in. Is it just his line mates? I mean, he's playing with a rookie. He's playing with Kaliev, who's a floater. Like, is it just kind of? his line mates and him adapting to that, or is it his game? I don't think he's lazy. I think that's a lazy assessment. Frankly, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't think that's fair. He's not been as productive and he's not good. And that's not to say he's been good. And that's not to say it's not fair to criticize his game away from the puck. Cause it needs to be better. Cause I agree with that again. And I, people don't like this stuff, but he's creating plays. He's creating chances. He's really good for half the ice, right? He's really good when his team is in possession of the puck from the red line in offensively. Uh, and actually, no, I would even say if his team has possession of the puck, he's really good in all three zones. The issue is when not only he doesn't have the puck, but if his team doesn't have possession of the puck, he's he has to get better at that. And part of that could be positioning. Part of that is going to be there's a, a litany of reasons that they're going through on video with him in one-on-one sessions on a weekly basis, I'm sure. So there's areas that he needs to improve, but what you can't, I can't be sold that this isn't, there isn't something there, that there isn't a player there. When I look and on a team that has Kopitar, Fiala, Kempe, you know, uh, and a lot of these, these really good players, and he's leading the team in, in, 
passes to the slot that lead to direct shot attempts. He's leading the team in or top two in the team in shot assists per 60, 60, meaning he's making plays in the offensive zone that lead directly to shot attempts. Like that's not by accident. So, so where where is the disconnect between your underlying stat versus visual acuity for the for the for the? For well, the I don't think so. No, I think the visual thing is is fair because I think, but I think what people are doing is he he makes these plays virtually every shift. If you watch him, watch him, go back, watch him when he has the puck in the offensive zone. He's dangerous and he's looking to make a play, and oftentimes he makes a dangerous play. The problem is, is people also see they they lean more into the other stuff what the negative, which I'm not saying they're wrong in that because his, his play without the puck needs to get better full stop. But so it's, it, it really is both. Like when I watch him and he gets the puck and he's through the neutral zone, I'm like, this is a horse. This is a player. That's a force. Then when the t- he loses the puck or, you know, he has to go on a four check or back check or whatever you, he, it's not the same player. So, I, I, it, do the Kings do the Kings have room in their in their system for two players that don't play defense in Fiala and and Dubois? Yeah, I mean Fiala Fiala will Fiala played a really good game I thought against uh, Washington or Tampa. Now I'm now I don't remember which one. It's all it's all one, one of the other losses. Yes, yes, but like Fiala Fiala just seems to be a little like aloof sometimes, uh, like. I, I think he's he's probably he's he's not a great defensive forward, but he's he's fine and he does a significant amount offensively too, um, you know. And and he's got production that follows it. So I don't know. I I still maintain that that I would like to see him play a bigger role. Uh, him being Dubois, I mean, he played a couple of games with Kempe on the line with Laferriere that showed some signs of life. Um, but you know, they decided to go back, uh, to the way it was. And, um, and so here we are. I, okay, let's, I, let's, let's, I, let's I, I also don't this. want to just blame his line mates either. No, let's, let's bounce that off. Let's, Cause I think that's an accurate assessment because, uh, we talked about this off camera and I think that the line changes, we are excited that, that, uh, Dubois was going to get. You know, Kepe and, and Laferriere, and, and obviously it bore fruit uh, instantly. You guys talked about that on all the Kings men. Uh, appreciate Jesse for having uh, my two boys on there on the podcast there. But it was quickly reversed. And do you think that McClellan was too quick to not let the the, the lines that he put out there mature? Because because um, I think he loves to know for a reason, and it's and it's a good reason. He's not. He's never great. He's never bad. Like he's always solid, pushing the puck towards the net. And as a coach, you got to love that, right? So mm-hmm. I get it. But to have a chance to ignite Dubois to be a difference maker, like you have to let that line mature. And two games or three games, he was done. I would have liked to see the lines stick a little bit more. Um, Particularly that one, uh, I think that one had a lot of potential. The Kempe and, and Laferriere with Dubois. Um, so we, I, it would have been nice. Like I, I think that 
I, I'd, if you're going to be willing to make a change in the lines, I think, I think you got to give it a fair shake. Then again, I mean, they're, they're, they clearly saw something that they didn't like. And maybe it wasn't that line. Who knows? Maybe they didn't mind that line, but the rest of the lineup, something just didn't look right. You know, they didn't have a good feel for it. So so they decided to go back. I mean, you can sort of understand it, I guess, where, you know, they make these changes. The losses still happen. Let's just go back to the way things were at the start when we were winning all these games. I mean, I, I get it. Um, but you know what, though? Be honest with you, whether the lines are this or whether the lines are the other thing, I, I don't know that that changes a whole lot in terms of pucks going in the net. You know, I think it's it's a little bit of shuffling of deck chairs, but at some point the, the, the players have to finish, um, and that hasn't happened. The players aren't playing good enough, and, and, you're, and you're right. But I think the line changes could spark something. Uh, we're at the 55-minute mark. We're going to do it for a little bit longer here. Appreciate you guys coming in the chat and and, and being live here. Put your question in. We'll get some uh, Q&A going on here. So if you want some questions answered in general uh, about the Kings team, throw them in the chat. We'll throw them up here on the board. Uh, I, I, I think this team – had an identity in the beginning of the season. Uh, they also won a lot of late games. They came back from a lot of games. And that some of that time could be luck. Some of that time can be identity. Uh, you as a coach and, and and me as a player and in other sports know that that can have some sort of volatility going forward. Is this team more the team that it was in October? Or is this team the team it is now to where they can dominate the possession, but they're not going to – they they can lose games based on – their defense. You're going to hate this answer, Randon. It's not one or the other. They're not as good as they were at the start, and they're not as bad as seven in a row. How's that? So where, so where does that put this team? <laughs> this puts so right now this this puts this team, I you know as a second, third, or fourth team. I said it earlier that I think they'll still finish in the top three in the division. So I'll stick to that. They'll finish in that second or third in the in the division. Um, but oh boy, you know, you're looking at a Vegas or Edmonton first round. That ain't going to be easy. This is entirely possible that this team is one that, that, you know, you could be looking at another first round exit. I mean, but you know, again, I want to temper this here because we're saying this during this losing streak, like, nobody was talking like this a month ago. So you can't get this high and then this low when every time you have a winning we fan, We're fans, you, Joe. This is well, a fan's corner. Okay, and I'm trying to 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 level the ship and come at it more from like right. an analyst point of view is like, guess what? There's going to be a stretch of games where the Kings go like seven and one. So you can't then say, here we are, the Kings are cup contenders. Let's just... You know, it's it's a you have to get out of this. You know, and I will say it's better that during this seven game stretch, they've picked up points in three or four of them. So nobody likes to hear that. I don't like it. Could be worse. <laughs> we can at least say that. But you know, and I don't know if we want to get into this for a team that pucks aren't going in and offense. They have a certain player that could provide quite a bit of it um, that oh, swatting, 
You're talking about a fanboy here or what? He looks really nice in a suit, I bet, in the press box. Yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah, let's get into that. Let's get into that. Uh, This has been my biggest thing here, and I'm not – I'm not an X's and O's guy, and if anybody's been listening to Hockey Royalty, I, I watch the game. I have an emotion about how players play, but I have a really affinity for assets and how you make a team up and getting value from players who have low cap hits and all this kind of stuff like that. And and Clark just got – and we're talking about Clark. I'm assuming that's what we're yes, talking about. Is, yes. So – wasn't Anderson Dolan. No. So – we're talking about Clark, and you bring him up, and then you sit him every game but one. You play him instead of Jordan Spence, who's been your, in my opinion, best defenseman on the team in an offensive standpoint over Dowdy. Like, where, where are we, where are we talking about here? Like, like, yeah, I understand you signed England to a two-year deal, but you drafted Jordan, you drafted Brent Clark with the eighth overall pick. So where's where's the the equity here from a, a team standpoint, and then you're bringing up a player to not play him, like Mavara did a great enough job to where he could have been the seventh defenseman where you you shoved him in instead of England. Like why are you bringing up Clark if he's not going to play? It makes zero sense to me from an organizational standpoint, from a team standpoint, from a player standpoint. Like you're just having Clark sit on the bench. In my opinion, right now, as it stands, he's the second best defenseman in the organization. So where where are we missing it here? Because it's not like he's okay at the AHL level. He was the best defenseman in the AHL. (laughs) It's not like he was doing all right and we brought him up just because. He was having a career, career year in the AHL. Follow, uh, that followed up a career in the OHL to where he was, I think he was the third best defensive hockey season ever in the history of Canada. So where, where are we missing this here? Like, in, in my opinion is it, it's straight up horse crap because put him on the ice, put him on the ice. What What's the worst that can happen? One, our power play is straight trash. Two, we're not getting enough offense from the back end. And and you guys talked about it on all the Kingsmen and that it doesn't mean goals. It doesn't mean straight basic stats. It means pushing the puck down the ice. And he does that on a constant basis. He's always looking for that. And then in his interview, he said that he wants to play better defense. And they're also Lieb coming in here. We're talking about Fagimo later on because that doesn't that that's another thing here. But for Clark. You bring him up and you don't play him. I'm sorry, England. Yeah, I understand you fight. I understand you punch people and all this kind of stuff like that. But you're not a top defenseman on this team. You're not. And and Clark is the second best, in my opinion, defenseman, period. End of stop, full stop on this team, regardless of cap. And he's not playing, and he's not playing hockey. And I, I don't understand it. Joe, I, in my opinion, isn't was, wasn't the goal to win a Stanley Cup? Like, so I thought. Like, where, where, where's the disconnect? So, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's a second defense, but your point is taken. He should be in the lineup and he's up here. What I'm a little confused about is, is, um, so they, his call up was warranted because of the play he had. As you mentioned, the dude was 
on one of the best defensemen in the league, the best defenseman in the league in the AHL. Um, so his call up close. from a merit in performance was warranted. What I didn't understand or what I don't understand is if all they were going to do was call him up and just have him there just in case. I mean, is that necessary? Like what was just keep Bjornfoot? Why did they waive Bjornfoot? They could have just kept things as is until they needed to make a change. There was no need to make this change. The Kings at the at January 3rd, and I wrote an article that came out earlier today about Clark and his need to play. But I did say that it seemed strange at the time of his call-up, not because he didn't deserve it. He clearly deserved it. The Kings defense group was the best in the NHL. One of the best, top two in in Corsi against per 60, top two in expected goals against per 60, top two in shots against per 60, top five in goals against per 60. Whatever you want to look at, through January 3rd, they were great, elite. So, okay, so you call up Clark, fine. They waved Bjornfoot. Um, and, you know, in this, you look back these this stretch here, the Kings are bottom, or they're they're the second half. So I just mentioned they're top two or top five in all those categories. You look at this recent stretch of games; they're outside the top fifteen in in defensive metrics too, not just offensive and defensive metrics too. So things are obviously not going quite as well defensively either. In combination of pucks aren't going in, so. I didn't understand if he was only going to be called up to sit. They could have easily done that with Bjornfoot. I don't know really what that situation was or why they decided to do that. Um, I've seen some people comment in the comments in the chat. So I, I think it's it's worth bringing up. Um, so John Hoven of Mayor's Manor, he covers the Kings, obviously had an article that came out and talked about if certain bonuses are hit, the Kings are going to be less that cap money in for next year. Okay. So, and again, I want to give proper credit to, to his article that, that we're referencing here that I'm, I'm referencing when I mentioned these bonuses and, you know, he, the, the bonuses are that, that he listed were 10 goals, 25 assists, 40 points, top two defensemen uh, among in block shots and all rookie team. Okay. So now the, Here's the thing. I, I That makes sense then. You can see why that being a factor of the Kings starting him in the uh, in the Ontario Hockey League, right? Um, because, you know, if they, they want to see how things are going, Spence, see how he goes. They have, have Anglin here. So let's, let's see how things play out. Give him some time to develop. And I think it's fair to say that the decision to start him in the AHL is, has gone okay uh, because he's really blossomed into a, into a dominant AHL defenseman. But if you're going to bring him up, if if you're that concerned as a team who is in the middle now of a seven-game losing streak about a player being too good or so good that he's going to be more than a point-per-game player or a point-per-game player from the back end as a rookie defenseman the rest of the season, that you're not going to play him and that's the reason you're not going to play him. That's like malpractice. That's malpractice. And that's so to be clear, that is I am not disputing the the factual that 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 Hoven reported. That's what that's 
accurate. If the Kings, if the Kings brass, if, if that's the, the Kings, real reason. Right. If that is the reason that he is getting, that is malpractice because that is unacceptable because you're... If Brent Clark was playing point per game hockey, this team wouldn't be losing seven games in a row. Right. So if that is your concern now, like, so that's where I come out with this is sure that all may be factual, right? If he, if hey, they're going to be, they're going to owe him bonuses and Hovind alludes to in the article, there's other players that could be hitting bonuses. Talbot already has. So that's, that's, but the, but like, you kind of bake that in. Like, obviously, Talbot, the Kings wouldn't be where they are. They're not a playoff spot if Talbot's not playing the way he's playing. And, and so that's, that's been a genius move by Blake to date. So I guess, again, if they were that concerned about him being too good, just leave him in Ontario and keep Bjornfoot as your seven. I'm 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 missing something there. There's a disconnect that I'm not understanding. I'm not even uh, I'm not even talking about the call-ups. Like, why are you scared of him being too good? Well, that so how is that the, how is that a problem? That is if that is the case of him, if that is the reason he's not playing, if that that's is, the real that reason. Is, what are we talking about? While you're losing games, while you're actively losing games, that is a remarkable a remarkable misstep by the organization, in my opinion. Sorry. It just is. I mean, it's not as if, if the King, if he, they call him up because you know what? This kid earns it. This kid earned to be around the NHL club. This kid deserves to be up here because of how he's performed. Let's get him up here. But you know what? We're winning all these games. So we're going to have to find a way to get him in because we're not losing games. So, you know, that's, that's what's happening. They're losing games right now. And, so it goes back around to, okay, you guys, hockey royalty, Kings fans, you want to play him. Who are you playing him for? The answer is easy. It's Andreas England. And I made a point in the article. This is not a downside or a, a, a negative on Andreas England per se. He has been as, not even as expected. He's exceeded my expectations. He has been he's been solid for what has been asked of him, right? He's been asked to be a physical presence, leads the team in hits, leads the team in fights. He's been fine defensively. You know, his defensive numbers are good, if certainly not bad. So he's been fine there. But that's where it ends. And I guess I'm a, a little unsure as to why we have to be okay with bare minimum of meeting expectations and, and he's been fine defensively, but well, we, God forbid, we expect our defenseman to do a lick of offense. You know, it's not his fault. That's just the style of play here. He is. That's fine. But I mean, I don't buy that Brant Clark can't be, can't contribute defensively and also offensively and play him in the same six as Jordan. Especially, especially since he said that that was his point of the season was to learn how to play defensive line. And I do think I genuinely believe that Brant Clark can play the left side. Maybe I'm crazy here because he's such a young kid and playing him and his off wing and yada yada. Kind of think Brant Clark, the way he plays, is is very like uh, uh, roverish, anyways. And he is naturally aggressive in the neutral zone with his steps, which is what the Kings left D do all the time. Watch England, watch Anderson, watch Gavrikov. These guys are stepping in the neutral zone on that left side of the 1-3-1 all the time. I think that plays right into what Clark likes to do and and, perfect, and, and, and certainly can do. Um, so I think he can be Joe, okay. I want to I I ask you kind of a, 
off-collar question here. Sure. And I don't know T-Mac. I don't know McClellan and the way he coaches. He seems a very straightforward. He do, he wants guys that have lack of mistakes rather than than offensive acumen. A little riskier. That sure. makes sense. Yeah. So do you think that the only reason he's dealing with Fiala is because he's being paid $7.7 million and you can't sit him? And Clark, he's a rookie. He does not. He's not making any money. He doesn't have to play him. Do you think the only reason he's playing Fiala is because he has to, but it's not the type of player that he would rather have on his team? Because when you're talking about high-end players, right? Fiala's a high-end player. He's getting mm-hmm. paid the money. You deal with what happens. Connor McDavid in Edmonton, high-end player. Obviously, you're never going to sit him. Leon Dreisaitl, you're never going to sit him. But Brent Clark doesn't have to play. So would he, because of his style of coaching, would you do you think he'd rather not play a type of player like Brent Clark? Or do you think that this is a full 100% from the organization down guideline for Brent Clark? Or do you think it's solely coaching? It's a really good question. And, you know, there's no way without being in there to, to know for sure. But um, if what has been reported is true – that's not Todd McClellan's call. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's hand in hand. Maybe they're on the same page because maybe McClellan is perfectly fine with Andreas Englund and playing the system and, and that they that they have. And, you know, again, he is limited in what he can do with the puck, um, but he's doing his job for the most part otherwise. So I kind of lean to McClellan probably is somebody that trusts a, a veteran a little bit more. I don't think that's necessarily uncommon. I think a lot of people probably trust those veterans more. It's just some coaches and some organizations maybe are a little bit more willing to uh, accept some risk, knowing that the upside may be greater. And there's some organizations that are a little bit more risk averse. Um, you know, and maybe I don't know if you would consider the Kings as that. I mean, maybe some would. Um, so. It's. I think it's a fair question, um, but I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if if part of this is is certainly on the organization. All right, well, let's get simply it some- because of what's been. You know, again, sorry for cutting you off of what's been reported, and I'm not going to sit here and say what's been reported is inaccurate by any means. Um, so if that's the case, that's an organization thing, and it's not totally on McClellan. Let's get into some fan stuff here. Uh, Carter scores coming here with a 20 goals in 23 games for, for Gimo. What are we doing here? And uh, obviously the power play struggles have been a, a common theme for this season. Uh, for Gimo's right shot, which has been a common theme for the power play. We lost Velarde, who was a great bumper. Fagimo doesn't have that skill set for being a bumper. So, or not a bumper, but a, a down low player yeah. uh, where Velarde had with his size. So obviously the way they ran the power play last year, not going to be one Amano Imano with Figimo, but he does give you a, a, a skill set uh, with the one timers and a, a goal score that you can put in the bumper. You can put him on the half wall um, at certain parts, but if you put him on the half wall on that left side, you're taking out Kopitar. I think the bumper might be a spot for him to where he's a good enough passer where he can do that. And obviously he can hit the one timer. Are, are, 
is this another case of overthinking it by the organization? Uh, because I haven't seen anything from Kaliev this year to make him say that he should be on this team. Last year, at least he had six, well, I think six or seven goals by the all-star break at, on the power play to where he was hitting what he was supposed to hit. He's not doing that this year. He's not playing great five on five. Is it a simple one-on-one? Is it, is it just the fact of they're unwilling to make a change? How do you view the Fugimo situation there? So a couple of things I want to tackle because you hit a couple of points. I think the power play point is excellent. I keep seeing this all the time with Fugimo. Fugimo, the righty, the Kings need a righty, the Kings need a righty. Kings don't need a righty to play on the left flank. The Kings need a righty to play down low. Um, that's where Velarde played, as you said. That's where Arvidsson played in the preseason. That's where they need him, and that's not really where Fugimo fits, in my opinion. Excels, but he could play that role. Do you not think so? Maybe, maybe not. But if they haven't tried Laferriere there, they're not. Which I'm not, and I'm not saying that they should. I'm just, you know, they they haven't given that. They haven't given that opportunity to anybody else. So, and as far as the bumper goes, I don't love the righty and the bumper in this situation because the so he's a righty on the bumper. So meaning the best passing from him to him is either going to come from the right flank, which is. Kempe, which that's your shooter, is Kempe, or down low, where that that then can be a lefty and is actually probably preferred to be a lefty if it is a righty in the bumper. But then you've got your playmaker as is should be on that right circle, and that's not Kempe. So now you're moving Kempe, and I'm not bringing in Fagimo just to move Kempe. So um, I, I don't think that Fagimo is the solution to the power play. I don't think he's the fix. Um, they need more of a playmaking type of player, right shot, preferably clearly to do that. And I just don't, what about, what about on the second power play? So sure. Maybe on the second power play, there's, there's something there. Now, what I would do on the second power play is I would, I would have, well, call me crazy, but I'm going to play Brant Clark in the same lineup as Jordan Spence. And I'm going to have Clark at the top and I'm going to have Jordan Spence who has an absolute cannon himself on the left circle, play both of them. Kaliev can be on your right circle by field down low. Now you've got, you've got something there that you're working with about a, a, with a pretty dangerous power play on that second unit. So that's what I would do. So you have so this is what we've been talking about. We talked about in the last podcast, and I think that this would be excellent. And if they ever go to this and it it succeeds, uh, you can quote us at (laughs) hockeyroyalty.com. But I, I, Brent Clark at the point now. One, he creates all sorts of mismatches because he's everybody docks his skating because he's not a he doesn't skate well be from behind, but from a lateral from a lateral skater going up and down that blue line as a power play merchant phenomenal one of the best in the game i mean he you he floats from side to side excellently and he has a great shot so you're opening things up there jordan spence not a not a rocket from a one timer but he has a very accurate he can, let him go. he can let him go no but he has a very accurate shot and and he's one of the best at getting it through to the goalie now he has no goals this season and everybody on Twitter has been has been knocking me apart to saying this, but I believe he was number one in the AHL when he won the the AHL Defenseman of the Year at getting pucks through to the goalie. 
So he is a very accurate shot, whether it's not, it's not a howitzer, but it's a very accurate shot uh, there. So if you put him on that half wall, he's also an assist guy. He led the defenseman assist. So he can make that cross time pass to Kaliev uh, and everything like that. So I think that if you get those types of players and you put Byfield down low, who is a, is a great, um, Great, not only big body. I know, Joe, you don't like just the big body sitting in front, but he's doing more than just sitting yeah. in front. Yeah. He moves. And uh, I think that'll be a great shot there. I, I, I think they need some sort of mix-up there uh, on, on the power play. Troy coming in here with another question. If we lose in round one, will they fire Todd and Blake? I'm going to say, will they t- fire Todd or Blake? Let's, let's go either or. Do you think if the Kings lose in the first round again, with all that they've done, do you think somebody gets fired this season? I, 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 I think if if that were the case, I think Todd may may, may be done. So you you would think Todd over Blake would be I the think so. would be the fire? Yeah, I think so. But so yeah, I think so. So I, I was talking about this with in in, in an NFL standard, and and nobody would say that. Um, that the head coach for uh, the Steelers, when I'm drawing a blank like right Tomlin. now, Tomlin, uh, is a bad head coach. Nobody would say that. But he's only won one playoff game since 2008. So ten over 10 years without more than one playoff win, eventually you have to have production there. Even though you're a quality head coach, you're not bad, but you're not great. Get that production there. And I think the Kings are at a crossroads here where if you have a third First round exit. Somebody's got it. I think somebody has to be moved. And whether that's the case or not, it's definitely going to be talked about amongst the King's realm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and that's not to say that it's all McClellan's fault. It's just no. somebody takes the, sh- you know what I mean? That happens. And he's going to, he may end up being the one that takes the fall for it. Right. That just, that's the way it goes. Um, three first, three consecutive first round exits. I think it'd be probably hard pressed to find a coach that survives that. I could be way off on that. I'm just, I said that somewhat flippantly, but it oh, certainly okay. seems like that's an, that would be enough to, to, for a change to be made. You, you bring in a $8.5 million player. You, you sign Gavrikov, you trade multiple first round picks and for Fiala and Gavrikov, you trade away. If it wasn't for Bedard, probably the rookie of the year and Brock Faber, like you, you, you've made a lot of moves. If you're Rob Blake, to to make this team great, and three first round exits uh, doesn't seem good enough. So I, I, I don't know. Holden coming here saying it should be Blake because of the PLD trade and how this team is so cash strapped. So. <clears throat> Obviously, he's made some a lot of good, great trades, right? Yeah. Victor Arvidsson, Dano yep. signing, yada yada yada. But would this undo it for you in the Rob Blake aspect? This PLD trade is going to define Blake's career. Despite, to your point, he's made a go on the list of all the the good trades that 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 he's made. Then uh, you just hit on some of them. You know, the PLD one is well, the trade is one thing, and I again, I thought the trade was perfectly fine um again i uh, the kings are not missing ifl he's a good hockey player but i think they're fine 
there. Uh, and Kapari is easily replaceable. Has, has been healthy scratch pretty much all. Well, season. he's yeah. been hurt. He's been hurt too. So, but that's you know, you the Kings are have so much depth. I mean, we're talking about Sam Ifegimo. Why isn't he up? So, like, imagine he wouldn't be up if you had all those other guys. So, I, the, the Kings are perfectly fine on the wings with depth. Which again is why they traded Velarde because he's a winger. Um, so it's, uh, I don't know why we we can't get through, get, can't get past. I don't know why we can't get past that. But the contract is another situation where I remember wanting that contract to come in for PLD. I would have loved it like the Fiala deal, like that seven and a seven. What's he seven and seven and seven five seven and a half? I would have loved that eight. I would have been comfortable with eight five. Stretched it to where like you kind of grit your teeth and like, okay, let's just get this done. Fine. It, that was like right at my boy, like right at my yeah. edge there of what I wanted from a contract. That's the absolute max on max. Um, but either way, if he's making seven, five, the production still isn't good enough. Right. No. Um, so, you I know, mean, that's, I guess, you know, picking nits a little bit, but you can, you can have an issue with the contract, but, um, I again, I, I didn't have an issue with the trade. Holden coming in here again. He's he's been driving this anti PLD train this tonight, <laughs> saying that there was O'Reilly, Duchesne, Bukes out available. Is that why people can't get over the third line with Pilardi? And I, I don't think those are one and the same, those are two different moves there. Like the well, only reason you have PLD is because you moved out Pilardi, you can't bring in just a guy willy. Well, yeah, so you, so you then still have you, to move out. I have followed. Right. You so, have to find, I mean, yeah. I guess there was a way, right? If you move out, I follow for picks or whatever to make room for either of those three guys. Maybe you have a room, but I think it's just, um, I think it's just I right know. now. I, I think it's right now. It's just hate because he's not playing well. I mean, Duchesne, you know, <sighs> you know, Riley was one of Russ's guys at the All Star break last year, right? So, yeah, to bring yeah. in. Um, but again, I don't know. I, I don't know. I why the Ryan the Kings the Kings weren't and the Kings shouldn't sign Ryan O'Reilly to the contract he got. I don't think that's a that's a reasonable one because Ryan O'Reilly got four years at four and a half million dollars. Which no, I'm sorry for a guy that has had that looked like was really going to start to struggle as he aged because of just the beating he puts on himself. So I don't think that was ever a realistic option in the slightest was, was Ryan O'Reilly. Matt Duchesne, boy, I, I don't know. I mean, he he kind of came to me, he's, to me, he's the most overrated player in the NHL. Like, why Ooh. why does he get so much Duchesne? He's having a nice season. He he is having a good season. I'm gonna give him he for a while he was, Brandon. For a while he he was. Um so I I don't know though that. I mean, I don't think he's a better. I don't think he's. I would have still preferred to go the the route that they did. I think because the other part is this: like, you know, the idea has been that Dubois is also going to evolve into one of these top two centers um, as Kopitar ages and as to know. We'll see what happens at the end of his contract. That's not going to be Ryan O'Reilly, and that's not going to be Matt Duchesne. Um, so. Obviously, those guys are having fine seasons right now. I'm not taking anything away from them. I don't want the Ryan O'Reilly deal. At, he's 32, 33 years old. 
Again, he's had issues with his physical with, with physical issues the last couple of years. I'm not signing that guy to a four year deal. I'm not. I to me that I I disagree with with that. I also think Duchesne is revisionist history. Correct. I know there were people calling for O'Reilly at the time that thought he would have been a good fit. So I won't say that that is revisionist. I don't ever remember hearing Duchesne because he was coming off an okay season, but I, I, don't, all, I don't. All three of us, we would have liked O'Reilly last year at the deadline. Yeah. I mean, we were, we, we were looking for that, for that third, third line yeah. center. Yeah. At the deadline last year, we, we, we said that, that there's a, there's, Three C is not good enough, and and just so everybody remembers, Velarde was on the team at that time. They didn't have a third line center, um, and that included when Velarde was here. So, you know, again, I love Gabe Velarde. I think anybody who's listened to this show knows how I feel about Gabe Velarde, and I think you and I both, yeah, legitimate top six, top line winger. Um, But the Kings needed a center, and the other thing is this: like, what if you do that? These guys were free agents. What if you do that and you don't sign them? There's no guarantee in free agency. Why are you gar- why 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 are you guaranteeing Ryan O'Reilly or Matt Duchesne's gonna come to LA? What if he doesn't? What if you keep Velarde, you don't make the trade, and they don't sign here? Yeah. Now what? What like so you, you can't make that guarantee. Cause what if Matt Duchesne, who adores country music, <laughs> wants to go to Nashville? For example, like he was just bought, or excuse, not Nashville, Dallas. He was just bought out of Nashville. But uh, Riley, excuse me, also likes country music. Ironically, went to Nashville. So I, I don't buy this that you could have oh, just go pick this guy, grab this guy. There, there's 30 other teams in this league that are trying to sign these guys. So why, why, why are they coming to LA? How, how do you guarantee that? I think this is. T- I think it's tough because us as analysts and and podcasters have to have to look at this but people look at the contracts that were given up and they're like oh i'd rather have the okay the the, the stats going this year right sure right sure and 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 let's just we'll play pure crystal ball hypothetical kings win the stanley cup this year and they sign o'reilly or just change to a bad contract and they're bad the next three years nobody's gonna care so a lot of fans are looking at this year as oh a as the 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 crystal ball, right? They're looking at hey, like I'd rather have O'Reilly's production, I'd rather have Duchesne's production. They're not looking down the line. And frankly, I'm not looking down the line because I want to win this year. The team is sure. built to win this year. Fair. So so it's tough. I I you know what would make this better, Joe? If PLD would just get his head out of his butt and just start <laughs> playing better hockey, and I hope he does, I, I think he really does. I think I that's harsh for me to say, but it's not harsh because he got paid to do this kind of stuff. And I know he's like, Oh, I gotta get out of I want to be in LA where there's less publicity, and and uh, I, I'm happy to play two way hockey and all the proverbial buzzwords that he said when he got signed, but the fact is, he's not playing good hockey. And he has to play good hockey for the LA Kings to win uh, the Stanley Cup. He has to play good hockey for the LA Kings to win the division. He has to play good hockey for the LA Kings to win games, and he's not. And so right now, the Kings are in a proverbial tailspin, and and it's not looking great for the team. And and I this team right now, obviously the way they played to start the season, 
They could finish the the uh, the division in first place over Vancouver. If they get on the hot streak, they could end up out of the out of the playoff race with the way they're playing now, but not being able to finish games. Where will they finish? Probably in the center, as the political correctness answer that Joe likes to 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 say. But that's probably the truth because the team is not as bad as they're playing now, and they're, and they're probably weren't as good as they were in the beginning of the season, finishing all those games. Really appreciate you guys coming in. I know this is kind of just bar hop talking, and we, that's what we like to be because we're all fans here at Hockey Royalty. Thank you guys for coming in here. Please follow all of our articles at HockeyRoyalty.com. Great article by Russ a couple weeks ago about the skating of Quentin Byfield. Joe coming out here, putting out an article about uh, Brant Clark, my boy. Uh, the, the conductor here loves to see those types of articles here. Uh, we have our shirts the Trevor Moore shirts, I understand that uh, we don't have any double XLs, but get all the rest of the sizes for you and your family. Uh, contact at HockeyRoyalty.com. Venmo at HockeyRoyalty. Russ will be shipping those out to you. Please follow us on all your Twitter handles. Great episode tonight, boys. Thank you for coming in here on the chat. Boys and girls, sorry. And thank you for coming here on the chat. Uh, we appreciate all your patronage and your constant support. Hopefully we get some W's coming across the board. I'm seeing the Kings here play the Stars on Tuesday. I haven't seen a win in a couple of years, so we need to get a win on Tuesday. That's uh, a back for the, back for the Cats, thing, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it second back half of the back to back. I'm not, I'm not too enthused. I'm not too <laughs> enthused with the way they're playing right now, uh, and it's supposed to be a not great Texas weather. It's supposed to be 30 degrees, which never happens in uh, wow. in Texas. So get a little cold snap. Uh, so hopefully the cold snap in weather means a hot snap for the team. And we put up a little five burger on the stars. Um, but I appreciate you guys coming in here and as always go Kings go.